0: Today on the Dolby Institute podcast, the music of a haunting in Venice from director and star Sir Kenneth Branagh. Joining us today is composer Hilda Goodnodotter and our regular guest host, music journalist John Burlingame, who's been covering music for film and television for publications including Variety, The New York Times, and now the Dolby Institute. I'll let John take it from here.
1: You know her work from her Oscar-winning score for Joker, her Emmy-winning score for Chernobyl, and last year's award season favorites, Tar and Women Talking. Our favorite Icelandic-born composer is back with a new score for Kenneth Branagh's latest Hercule Poirot mystery, A Haunting in Venice. Welcome, Hildur Guanadotter.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: It's so nice to see you again.
2: Live question. Thanks for having me. So what's
1: your background with writer Agatha Christie? Did you know her stories? Did you know her work?
2: Yes, I loved her work i i i, I st- and obviously still do i really I really grew up reading her her novels and i I really grew up with this genre and, and this was kind of uh this used to be my my private secret that's not so private anymore but but uh, I was really raised on <clears throat> on the detective. Novel, who done it, you know, uh, uh, storytelling, and and um, my grandmother, who was a brilliant scientist and one of the first uh, female doctors in in Iceland, she um, was completely obsessed with her, um, with her, with her science and and her viruses, and she used to just speak about uh, viruses like people, and she always said that the only way to to quiet your mind is to read a good thriller. So, so that's really the you know that's what I got got for for my upbringing. So, so I was, you know, have, having grown up reading Agatha Christie and Nancy Drew and Sherlock Holmes and all these these classics, you know, I I had a really strong feeling from how I felt like this genre should be approached and how I felt like it should not be approached, <laughs> and I'm quite the. Opposite to, you know, my my most of my work where I'm quite, uh, um, you know, ex- explorative, uh, you know, of sounds and and instrumentation and you know, building instruments or building sound worlds or found sounds and I I feel like you know the the um, the who done it should really just be a classical <laughs> a classical form that should not be tampered with. <laughs> That is, uh, uh, you know, so that was really my approach to scoring this film is that I wanted to, I wanted to really be true to the form and to the genre and not to try to reinvent the wheel in the, you know, in in this particular movie and, 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 and really, really just dive into the, the um but both of the history of of the genre itself and the history of the um you know of 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 the author who who was who was a musician herself and and that uh, this is a little known fact about Agatha Christie is that she also wrote music, you know she was so ahead of her time and 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 everything that 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 she did and um and also the I felt that the time that this film takes place is is so interesting in in the music history and and I think that we you know there's there's such a such an incredible um well to dive into in, in the story and, and, and this time you know because because the way that we are uh, that, that this story is approached is that we, we spend a lot more time with Poirot and his emotional Journey that that he is on much more than in the um in most of the other um films that we've seen about Poirot, you know, he's more of an observer, you know, and, and and things are kind of happening more, and he's looking at it from the outside. But in this film, we're we're following him much more closely than 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 we normally do, and and um and in this film, he's really uh going through a lot of a lot of. Turmoil and, and a lot of uh, um, uh, ex- examination of who he was before the war, what happened to him during the war, and what he wants to be, you know, in in the future in, in a post-war world where everything is, of course, the whole world is being rebuilt, and he is trying to rebuild himself. So he's in the film he he. Uh, he sets out, you know, he's he's retired and he's he's moving away from his his uh, his detective past and and uh, he's trying to somehow you know go in a completely different direction and and I felt that that had this journey had had so many parallels with what was happening in in the music history of this time you know where composers are really asking themselves you know in this post war. World, what is music? what is sound? how are we approaching our instruments? how do we you know how do we play them and what is the form we're working in and what is melody and and how can we kind of throw all of that out the window and completely disregard our past and move into a completely different future that we're building uh, completely anew <clears throat> and I thought that was quite interesting in, in this in this uh, in this story to 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 plant. The sense of uh, uh, time into the sense of melody, so 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 that's kind of what I was playing with. So in the beginning, you know, he he because of the the supernatural plays a big part of of this uh, of this particular story as well, and it and, and in some some ways it's 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 somewhat the horror film, and 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 uh, in the beginning we we sense that that you know we 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 up room where, where Poro is waking up and we're unsure if <clears throat> what we're seeing if it's a dream or if it's a if it's a waking state or if it's a, you know in the past or if it's the the present and somehow the the, the musicality of, of that sets out to be uh almost like a melody but it's not really a melody because it doesn't go anywhere so it's kind of living in this Bardo state of 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 the time between the the times, you know, so that <clears throat> the melody floats in this in this middle time or in the subconscious level, and then in the parts of the story where we're experiencing the the, the past and the looking towards the um, the characters that have uh, that have you know that were the victims and have have died, you know, there we get the sense of of, of, of mal- like the romantic melody that that actors, uh, and this would be the case for for example like. Uh, Cues like music without her, which 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 gives us a sense of, of a certain um, romanticism. So, as, as we start moving towards cl- closer to the, to, the, to the present and then into the future, the, the storyline takes us into a more atonal direction and, and we, we start to throw away the melody as we as enter we the, the present and as, as the, the world starts to crumple, the, the sense of melody also starts to crumple and gets more, more fractured and, and frantic and, and this would be apparent in a cue uh, like uh, pipes. For example, where it's where it's where it's frantic and, and in unison and there's no harmony and it's it's just texture and and uh, and, and and movement. Cue, for example, like confession, where which is the big reveal, and and we find out you know who done it, and and uh, the world is kind of set to order, and we're getting ready to move forward, and we're seeing the the future, and and, and, the, and the world put to put in its place, and then we start to lean into 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 what the composers are trying to do with with their sense of moving forward, and we lean into the atonal sense of melody and and, uh, and the harmony becomes much more structural and and, uh, and atonal as as we look forward somewhat
1: other interesting things for me is that we tend to associate this kind of period murder mystery with large orchestras Mm -hmm. and that's not what you did here it's so fascinating to me it sounds more like a chamber group really it's just a handful of instruments am i right about that and if that's the if, if that's true why did you go that route
2: yes that is absolutely correct that is absolutely true um uh, I I went that route um, both because I I felt that it was the um, I, I felt that personally I felt that's what the film needed uh, and also because uh, Ken specifically asked for that you know so so I was I was really happy because I read the script and and then you know I had this I had this feeling and then I spoke to Ken and he said what well, I really want this to be like a chamber piece. Like a, I don't want like a big orchestral sound. Like I really wanted to be claustrophobic and atonal and you know I would unnerving and, and, and dark and, and um uh, so Which I was is right it
1: up was, your alley.
2: It was just right <laughs> up my alley <laughs> Exactly. So it just seemed like the perfect thing you know. Yeah. But also I I think that's I think that's 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 just also so it's it's such an interesting uh uh way to work with with sound I think you know when you're really microscopically looking at at very small small groups but blowing them up also and, and into into a bigger perspective like I always I I I love that um, I love that point of view
1: So are we listening mostly to strings and woodwinds in this score?
2: Yes, yeah. There's almost there is pretty much almost only strings and woodwinds. Yeah, yeah.
1: Are you playing cello in this score?
2: Uh, I do play a little bit of cello, but but I'm I'm not. Uh, 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 I'm, I'm mostly it's it's uh, um, the LCO that's uh, that's playing.
1: Yeah, that's the London Contemporary Orchestra.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Which you recorded yeah. at Abbey Road? Is that right? Yes,
2: yes, that is right. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I'm curious to know not just about the players themselves. But if you um, utilized any unusual groupings or um, playing techniques, perhaps that you wanted to elicit from the players.
2: Mm, yes, yeah, yeah. I think that one of the one of the big um, shifts that happened uh, um, at in this time in 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 you know music history was the. Um, was the exploration of extended uh, techniques and um and that's what's um, especially in the um in the scenes that are are slightly more unnerving and and you know lean more into the the horror side of the film that's where that's where the extended playing technique uh, uh really really lent itself very well to this uh, um to the music i thought so it was a lot of like multiphonics and and uh, all kinds of trickeries in, in, in how to uh, and how to play and then I also <clears throat> recorded uh, um, quite a big part of the um, the string orchestra I recorded um, in a kind of seance setting so they were sat in, in, in a circle as, the, as they did during the during the seance in order to get this kind of surround feeling of, of and, and circular connection.
1: So you actually had them play in a circle yes yeah i did oh that's fascinating and what did that give you in terms of the sound you were looking for that would uh connect with those scenes
2: Mm, yeah well it it gave a sense of um i i think it gave a sense of 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 presence and um a kind of all-encompassing feeling uh In in material that's very rather simple, so a lot of this, a lot of this music um, uh, is is quite um, sparse in harmony. So so a lot of it is uh, you know kind of in in unison or or like mostly mostly in unison, like the the you know more the more like movement pieces, and. and I think you know, with 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 this placement where you have very sparse material, especially material that's happening or playing that's happening in unison, you can kind of have a sense of movement, spatial movement, even though there's no harmonic uh, movement happening at the same time. And I think I think that's very interesting, and I think that fit very well to the to the whole sound design of of, of the film because the sound is very present and it's very all encompassing in the in the film. So so um so I felt that it lent itself very well to the to the don't be mixed.
1: And it's fascinating to me. I, I I have seen the film and and the sound is as important as any other element in, in yes. this picture. And I and I'm wondering, did you have any discussions with any of the sound people about what they would do, what you would do and how it would work together?
2: Yes, yes we did. Yeah we, we did and and it was clear from the it was very clear from the beginning uh, from the very early stages that the sound would be very important and it's of course like you know it's even written in the script and in the in the dialogue you know that this invitation to constantly listen you know she she keeps telling us to to listen in and listening and you know so 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 it it really the film kind of demands it of the audience uh, repeatedly to, to remember to tune in with the, with the ears into the house because the house is telling a lot of the a lot of the story and it's giving a lot of the atmosphere is, is is coming from the from the palazzo and from the from the sound. So so we had a we definitely had a lot of discussions about how to how to weave the music into the into these sounds and in, into this that yeah the auditory <clears throat> experience which which i always think it's it's really interesting like the the more in in my my opinion like when when the the music and the sound design is is really working <clears throat> together the more the more coherent the uh, uh, auditory experience you you'll have and i always find that really uh, fascinating to work in collaboration with the sound design
1: were you able to be in london during the recording sessions at abbey road
2: yes this time i was able to be there <laughs> because that the, when you know when we recorded tar I, I i got COVID, so i had to do i had to do that recording session remotely <laughs> but but this time around i was able to uh to go there in person and, and uh be there with the with the gang.
1: and and was kenneth brenner there too
2: he was there the whole time yeah he was he was there for all the recordings and and uh, graced us with his wonderful, wonderful presence.
1: <laughs> he's a delightful guy. He's fascinating to talk to.
2: He really is just such a beautiful human being. He he really truly is so, so, you know, elegant and, and uh, articulate and, and, and uh, just such a, such a joy to be around and, and definitely a joy to work with. Like he's so, He's so clear about his vision and and he's just such a master of his craft it was really really lovely to work with him
1: and I noticed in the end titles uh the name of your husband sam slater uh a- as part of the team what was his role here
2: he in in this project he was uh um he he was yeah like like just my my extra set of ears in the in the sound production department. So he, he was really, um, you know, overseeing the um, deliveries and that everything was in the right place and, and that, that, um, you know, that it was all something according to, to, you know, to the highest standards and (laughs) that everything was, was, um, you know, set up properly, run properly.
1: And he knows how to do that. (laughs)
2: <laughs> he really does he really does and it's so it's so incredibly wonderful to me for for me to be able to you know to 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 have that that extra set of ears that that knows me so well and knows exactly you know where where i'm heading and 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 to, just to make sure that 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 um you know all, all the elements because when you're working on a film there's of course like so <clears throat> there's so many uh, factors to take <laughs> that come into play in putting everything together and when you start to deliver and all the cues have to come together and all the channels and so it's easy for things to get lost and it's easy to lose track of of uh, of things but but um so it's really it's really so wonderful to have you know that, that shadow that I can say like hey wait a minute this is missing or this is not good enough or we need to you know change this or you know to, that's really that's really great.
1: To go back to something that you said a little bit earlier, um, I wanted to ask you, does the score, you, you were talking about how Hercule Poirot is going through his own sort of mental anguish uh, during <clears throat> the course of this film. So would you say that the score reflects that in in some way?
2: Yes, absolutely. I, I'd say the score is very much following his emotional journey of the film and 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 the the sense of um the sense of direction of of the music the sense of melody and and the the sense of ease or unease and and uh, and all these all these elements are really directly uh, um influenced by his by his mental mental state
1: mm, yeah and there's a complete arc really to the score from start to finish isn't there
2: mm yes Absolutely. Yeah. We, we, we begin this, um, you know, we begin the circle in this, in this, uh, um, yeah. in this, in this, I like to call it like the parto state. It's the, 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 state between the living and the, and the dead. Which
1: is in a way is sort of almost kind of neutral music, right?
2: Yes, it is. It is. And I always find, I always find it so, um, so interesting, you know, the um, as you say like neutral music, you know, that that's such an interesting term. Like what is what is neutral music, you know, and, and I find it so it's it's always so fascinating to me how we are moved by music and how music can can put us in a state, you know, and what is it what does it require to put us in a certain state, you know, or to bring us to a place, or, or or to 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 transport us, you know, and 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 um, and through the use of, of melody, like how can a melody move us or not move us or or create the state, you know, without maybe going anywhere or without without um um knowing how it is that it's that it's moving us or if it's if it's moving us you know that's what I find so endlessly fascinating about music and 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 uh, this type of yeah neutral music is, is a good way of, of, of phrasing it I, I think is so is so fascinating because it's a uh, it's both a state and a non-state you know it, it, cre- it creates a space more than it creates uh, an emotional reaction so to say, and that's so fascinating about music, you know, that I can that
1: I can do that. So one of the other things about this movie is that it's in Dolby Atmos, which is, you know, I think one of the great technological advances in terms of sound of our time. When you know that a movie that you're working on is going to be released in Atmos, does it impact how you write or how you record at all?
2: Mm, yes, I, I think that... Um, for example, when you know that it's that it's going to be in Dolby Atmos, then then you can really lean into these type of recording techniques. Like I was saying with uh, with placing the musicians in, or they're they're already in surround, you know. Because and and you can we can use we used like uh, um, surround microphones to record these parts where the um, <clears throat> where the musicians were both in physical and digital surround. And, and it's really beautiful when you know that this is going to be the end the result and it's, it's going to be the audience is also going to experience the same thing as, as we experienced in the, uh, in the recording session.
1: Yeah, and I remember uh, when they commissioned that piece for you uh, that you wrote for the Academy Museum composers <clears throat> gallery, that <clears throat> was specifically designed for Atmos as I recall
2: absolutely yes absolutely yeah that was really with with that piece i really wanted the the audience to be able to to enter as a state of of um of of a sense of floating in the sound really so 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 i i really wanted to create the um uh you know, this, this, uh, you know, losing the sense of gravity almost by, by losing, you know, by creating a space that was, you know, completely blurred your, your visual field because that, the, uh, the museum, of course, is so, it's, it's such a lot to take in with your eyes, you know, and, and the museum is so rich and, and, uh, what it's, what it's giving you to, to that, to the, your visual <laughs> sensory senses. So I really wanted to create the space where you could really literally float or feel a sense of floating in, in a in a non space and, and just be led through the uh, through the spatialization of, of music and and, uh, and sound.
1: So how long were you on A Haunting in Venice all told? Did it take a few months?
2: Uh, yes, I think I was on for about seven months or so. So I started working on it when when they were still shooting. And um, that's when I had the, the initial meetings with with Ken. and then I started writing music around that time somewhat. so so but and, and I wanted to record it really properly with an ensemble. So I recorded the, um, a lot of music with an ensemble uh, here in Berlin to to be able to use uh, in the in the editing process so as they were starting to assemble the film, uh the, the i i uh, provided um the the bulk of of the the kind of bigger pieces uh um in order to use uh, um in the edit and and this is um like my preferred way of of working with when, when the when the music and the and the and the edit and the film can really grow together in 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 this fluid um in this fluid dialogue you know so that the the edit can lean into the music and then you know I receive a receive a cut and then you know I can respond to the edit and then it can kind of flow back and forth in this uh, um in this natural uh, unfolding which which I always think is very uh, it's very rewarding for me to work in in, in that way.
1: Yeah, I think it's smart filmmaking because it's a collaborative medium and mm. if the editor and the composer and the director are all sort of working together for, toward yeah. a final uh a vision, I, I think it's just better for everybody.
2: I think so. Yeah. I, I really, you know, I, I know that not every composer, you know, agrees with this and, and many composers really want to, to to have the visuals and the cut before they even start writing, but and I, I completely respect and understand that, but 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 for me, somehow it's it's uh, um, uh, I I enjoy this, even though it, it takes seven times longer, you know, how the, <laughs> than, the, than the other way. It's somehow just like it's it's such a, I think it's such a great way to have a conversation through your through your mediums, you know, to just literally exchange ideas, you know, not just through through. Um, Dialogue but also through, through actual um you know through through your art form
1: your career is unlike uh a number of other Hollywood composers who just do film music. you do a lot of other things, including music for the concert hall and for many different venues um what are you working on now
2: uh I am working on well we're, we're I'm working on a record <clears throat> with um with my band Osmium, which is a kind of robot metal band. And uh, we just finished a recording session uh, a couple of days ago, which is uh, very exciting. And we have a, a concert coming up at the Lincoln Center in New York in December. And uh, and then I'm working on some solo music as as well that, that will hopefully um, turn into some sort of record and some sort of... Concertable music, <laughs> and uh, and I'm working. Yeah, so I have kind of like a handful of projects that I that I'm that I'm working on, and and, and another film, Hatte de is also uh, in in the in the making, which has unfortunately because of the strike been been put on hold for for a little while. But uh, and then there's of course *Joker* too in the.
1: Now is that finished? Or are you still in the middle of that?
2: Uh, I am nearing the end of 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 my process, so so we're getting closer to to recording. So so it's all it's all uh, yeah, it's all happening.
1: Well, it's all very exciting, and mm. uh, we're grateful to you for spending some time today. So thank you, Hilda, for being with us, and we look forward to seeing you again soon.
2: Yeah, likewise. Thank you for having me.
0: Many thanks to Hilder for joining us on the podcast today and thanks to John for conducting another excellent interview. An extra special thanks to our friends at Disney for helping put this conversation together. Be sure to check out A Haunting in Venice, now in theaters. You can find links to tickets as always in our show notes. If you'd like even more conversations with inspiring artists and filmmakers about how they use technology to tell their stories, please be sure you're subscribed to us, the Dolby Institute podcast. You can find links to our show on all the major podcasting platforms, including the video version on YouTube in our show notes, or you can simply search for Dolby wherever you get your podcasts. If you're curious to know more about the Dolby Institute, head on over to dolbyinstitute.com. There you'll find information about all of our programs. You can access the entire library of episodes of this podcast, and you can sign up for our mailing list. Until next time, thanks again for joining us. This is the Dolby Institute podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Kaiser. Our producer and editor is Michael Coleman. Our executive producers are Amanda Schneider and Jack Ferry with additional editing by Matt Nixon. Thanks for joining us.